0: Good morning, everybody. What a beautiful day today. An awesome day to be in God's house. It's Happy Memorial Day weekend to you. It's, I always, it just feels right to celebrate the freedom that we have and to thank the hundreds and thousands of people who have paid that price for our freedom. So appreciative of that. And of course, I want to give a big shout out to everybody in the sanctuary, in the nice padded seats, the elite seats at Union Chapel. And of course, also want to welcome everybody watching on live stream this morning as well. Today, I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about. And it's critical for us to progress in our relationship with God to be able to hear God's voice above all others. Because so many times we know what it's like to hear that stream of thoughts that came across the screen. You know, I'm ugly. I'm not worth it. I'm stupid. I'm a failure. I can't. And so many times those voices can overwhelm us. But that is not the voice of God for you and for me. We want to hear his voice. So the best way to hear God's voice, let's start with some prayer. Do you mind bowing your heads with me? Lord Jesus, we come before you uh, filled with thankfulness, filled with your love. But we're also eager for more of what you want in our lives. So Lord, you're going to bring revelation to every single person here. We're all going to learn about something that we need to grow more in our spiritual relationship with you. And so, Lord, we want to clear the air right now in Jesus' name. We want to push back the lies of hell and focus our hearts and our minds to hear your voice and your voice alone. So speak, Holy Spirit. Speak through me. Speak through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we all hear voices in our heads, don't we? And I'm not getting a straight jacket out or getting some lithium for you, but we all know what it's like to hear voices in our heads. We get bombarded with these negative thoughts from time to time. And uh, I found this obscure word that I think describes this process that happens in our brain so much. And we're going to put the definition on the screen. And the word is called loggeria. Loggeria, it's pathologically incoherent repetitious speech, incessant or compulsive talkativeness. I love this last part, a wearisome flow of words. Logaria, it sounds like something familiar, doesn't it? Well, we're not in J.C. Junction, so we're going to move on from that. But the bad word about the logorrhea that happens in our brains is we can't drink pink stuff to make it stop. We've got to connect with God through worship and through his word. And everybody knows what it's like to have these conflicting thoughts. And in fact, you've seen these pictures before. Here's my latest selfie. I want you to see my latest selfie. Here's my latest selfie. So there I am. And I've got the devil on one side and the angel on the other. And you know how the story goes. We've got the angel telling you the good things that God wants you to do, and the little demon telling you the bad things the devil wants you to do. And so we feel this tension, and we know what it's like. But I began to think about it. Wouldn't it be really cool if we actually did have a demon and an angel on our shoulder? Wouldn't that be awesome? Then I could grab that demon and, like, cast it back to hell, never listen to it again, and then take that angel, put it right in front of my face. Okay, you tell me everything I need to hear from God, and right now I'm listening. Think about it. How different would you be if the only voice you heard was God speaking into your ear? I mean, that, I, would, I would look at myself a little differently. I think you and I would have unshakable confidence. Our fears and our worries would not overwhelm us. We would never feel unworthy, never feel condemned. And think about how strong our courage and our faith would be. Unfortunately, there's no devil to flick away and there's no angel to hold right in front of our face. But what we do have, we have the Holy Spirit. And He is ready and willing to speak to us. As a pastor, I get this question a lot, especially when people are dealing with a choice they have to make or some kind of something to do with their future. And I say, Glenn, how do I know which thoughts are from God and which thoughts aren't? And today we're going to unpack that a little bit. And I began to fantasize now, wouldn't it be cool if we could assign like accents to the different voices in our heads. First of all, God's voice would begin with a big thunder and deep voice to get my attention. So I would know, okay, time for Glenn to wake up, you know, and listen to, listen to God for this one. And I think I would have the devil's voice sound like that cartoony witch cackle. <laughs> so every time I heard that voice speaking to me, I would know, okay, ignore that, cast that away. And I thought, while we're at it, we might as well make my thoughts sound like Barry White. Yeah. You can only dream. But the point is, the devil likes to masquerade around in your mind as you. Because our thoughts all come in first person. And so when the devil plants a thought in your mind and he says, Hey, this is the devil and I think you're horrible. No, that's not what he does. He says, I'm horrible. He speaks as if he were you. And we're all familiar with identity theft. It's a big problem in our culture today. In fact, I read that every minute, 19 people fall victim to identity theft. And you're hoping right now is not your minute. But when you calculate it out, I also read that 7% of everyone 16 years and older will fall victim to identity theft sometime in this year. Now, that makes me afraid a little bit, but I also know, okay, the odds are still in my favor. But the reality of it is there's another type of identity theft, which is much more pervasive and much more destructive. You see, the devil, he wants to steal your identity in Christ. He wants to steal your concept of who you are. He wants to lie to you and deceive you and hurt you and malign you and destroy everything good in your life. And he loves to do it by sending these lying thoughts to you. So it's essential that we distinguish between these two voices. We must be very aware of the thoughts that we hold on to and believe about ourselves. And so our goal today is to hear God's voice above all the others. If you would uh, turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. Of course, if you're a geek like me, you can pull out your phone or your electronic device, navigate your way to 2 Corinthians 7. We're going to read verse 1, and then we'll pick up again verse 8 through 11. Would you please stand in honor of reading God's word? Verse 1, therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Now, before I read verse 8, I want to give you a little bit of commentary on this. 1 Corinthians, which is the previous letter that Paul wrote to these people, he really addressed some challenging issues. I mean, he got in their face about some serious sins And so he used some pretty strong words in that letter to convict them about those sins. And so this is kind of the response to that, to give you some perspective. Verse 8. Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended and were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings what? Brings death. And then see what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves... What indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. Amen. You may be seated. May God enlighten our minds and our hearts by the reading of his word. So your mind is truly the battleground. It's critical that you carefully weigh all the thoughts that you have because all of them are not good. Proverbs 4.23 says this. It says, above all else, guard your heart where everything you do flows from it. Because the thoughts that you pay attention to have unlimited potential to do damage in your life. They also have this amazing potential to help you be everything that God wants you to be. And the enemy, he wants to crowd your life with negative messages, and you don't want that. I love this quote from Stephen Furrick and Pack. We're going to put it on the screen. It says this, the voice you believe will determine the future you experience. Now, that's a simple statement. But what we believe about ourselves often becomes true. Now, here's an example of this. My parents lied to me when I was a little kid. They, were, they lied to me. They told me I was smart. They said, you're so smart, Glenn, and, and, which inspired me to work hard in school and make decent grades. And I get to college, and I look around and I'm, I am not smart. <laughs> All my friends, they study one or two days before the test. Here I am. If I started two days before the test, I might as well not even bother. It takes me a week to get ready for that test. I mean, that's just one simple example of believing the power of belief, the power of faith. And so we want to hear God, and we don't want to hear those lies. In fact, the devil, he's a liar. It's one of his favorite things to do. Jesus said in John 8:44. That the devil is a murderer from the beginning, and he's a liar. There's no truth in him. When he lies, he's speaking his native language because he is a liar. He's even the father of lies. And so I want to ask a couple questions about some specific lies that we believe. What lies are you believing? And the first lie I want to deal with is the lie of shame. In verse 10, in this passage we just read, it talks about worldly sorrow. I think a great word for worldly sorrow... Is shame or grief because shame, it will kill your relationship with God faster than anything else because it not only messes with your perception of God, it messes with how you see God seeing you. Maybe this statement will make it a little more clear. I'd like you to see this on the screen. The devil wants to use shame to change how you perceive God. And so the final goal of shame is not you're horrible, you're bad. The final thought of shame, the final goal of shame is God won't forgive me. He doesn't love me. I'm not worth it to him. That's the final goal of shame. If you let it, shame will choke all the joy, confidence, and hope out of your life. And I began to think about like a one-word description of the most important thing to Satan, the most important thing that he does. And obviously lying is around the top of that list. He, he, he's a liar from the beginning. And of course, we're all familiar with temptation. He tempts all of us. But I think Satan's most important one-word job description is this, accusation. In Revelation 12, 10, the devil's called the accuser of the brothers and sisters, meaning the accuser of the Christians. And he stands before God and before you night and day, day and night, continually accusing you. You see, shame keeps you from hearing God because it convinces you that God doesn't even want to hear from you. So most of the lies the devil gives you have to do with you. But the lie of shame has to do with God more than you. If the devil never lies about what you've done, his lie is about God's response to you. So don't listen to thoughts like these. God won't forgive me. God hates me. God won't use me. I don't think God wants me. I'm not worth it. I'd like for you to see this statement on the screen. It's a thought that many of us have and you get to fill in the blank. It says, I am never blank enough. So what's your blank? What's some thought that the enemy pushes into your mind? Something that brings you insecurity or fear or something that pulls you away from God. What is your blank? Maybe it's I'm never smart enough. I'm never good enough. I'm never pretty enough. I'm never strong enough. I'm never faithful enough. Whatever that might be, what is that for you? And then follow that up with that is a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. That is a lie. Because none of these thoughts are true for anyone. You might say, well, Glenn, I'm not a Christian. You know, look, God loves you just as much as he loves every other person in the world. And so... These thoughts are totally contrary to the thoughts of God about every single person on earth, including you. And so don't you dare let shame warp your concept of who God is. I've heard this statement a lot when people hear that I'm a pastor. They go, well, you know, I would go to church, but first got to clean up my act. i got to get rid of this or take care of that. And nothing could be further from the truth. You see, there's an important distinction to make that Jesus accepts you and everybody else just the way you are no strings attached. Jesus accepts you just the way you are, no buts. But Jesus won't leave you the way you are either. You see, I know this comes as a huge, huge shock to you, but oh, I'm not perfect. I know, I know it's a big shock. I know it's a big shock. Well, neither is anybody else. We all have room to grow. And from God's perspective, there are things he wants to transform in every single one of us, even Pastor Greg. He's always at work in all of our lives. And so Jesus will never leave us the same, but he always accepts us just the way we are. And so your challenge is to look at your sin and your failure through God's eyes. You see, Jesus, he convicts, but he never condemns. Maybe this is the first time you've been in church in a while. And the last time you were in church, some preacher like me stood up here and said, God hates people who do these kinds of things. And he listed off these things and quoted some stuff. Let me let you know that the people who do these things are sitting right next to you. The people who who do these things are standing up here on stage. Because we've all messed up. We've all failed. We're all in the same boat together. So welcome to Union Chapel. You know, we're not proud of what we've done. We're not proud of our failures. But man, we are proud that we love a God who forgives. We are proud that we serve a God who redeems, who hears us and wants to speak to us and wants to make us be everything that he has for us. So don't you use shame as an excuse for not receiving everything Jesus has for you. Another, another lie that the devil loves to use to keep us from hearing God is fear. And one of the most common manifestations of fear in our lives is worry. Jesus addressed worry directly when he told the parable of the sower. See, a sower, he's a farmer, and he went out and he planted seed different places. Seed is a picture of God's word. Some seed fell on the path. Some seed fell on good soil. Some seed fell on the rocky soil. And some seed fell in the thorns. And Jesus said that the thorn, the thorny soil that it grew up and sprang up, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of riches, worrying about money, choked the word out. So worry, it's it's like roundup to the voice of God in our lives. And so we want to push back that worry to hear God, because when we're focused on worry, we can't hear Jesus. Now between you and me, I was feeling pretty good at this part of the sermon preparation because I'm like overly optimistic. Some people would say gullible. So worry's not a huge issue in my life. And, and this Holy Spirit kind of gave me this thought, Glenn, I want you to talk about how worry is an issue for uh, almost everybody, not just people who are worry wards. Like, Okay, here we go. I know it's coming. So how about this statement? If you spend more time thinking about what can go wrong than you do praying, you have an issue with worry. Dang, first one. If your typical problem-solving strategy does not include time listening to God, then you have an issue with worry. Got me on that one, too. But the point is this. You don't have to struggle with worry. It doesn't have to be a debilitating thing for it to distract you from hearing God's voice. You see, you and I, we're hardwired to be very selective in what we perceive. Your eye is this way. You know, there's this little portion of the back of your retina. is called the macula. And that's where all the clarity, all the sharp focus happens. In fact, you can look at that person right in front of you. If you're looking at their head, their shoulder's a little bit blurry. Because we can only focus on one thing at a time. And our spirits and our minds are the exact same way. We can only focus upon one thing at a time. If we're focused on worry, we can't focus on Jesus. Now, some of you are thinking, well, Glenn, I'm a multitasker extraordinaire. I can focus on many things at once. Well, poo-poo on you because I can't do that. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Actually, you multitaskers, I love you guys because you get it done. But what you do is you actually, you can focus on not many things at once, you can focus on this and then that and then this and then that and then you can come back to this and not forget this. So you're actually really good at focusing at not forgetting stuff. That's what you're really good at. So, Because we can only focus on one thing and we want those things that we focus on to speak life into us and to encourage us and to build us up. Because if you're listening to fear and worry, you're not hearing Jesus. Because your fear is powered by your focus. And you know what it feels like when something bad happens and then the what-ifs start pouring in. It's like a ball and chain around your neck pulling your head down into your problems. And you don't want that. Well, shame and fear, they're just two of the lies that the enemy tries to use to pump distractions into our heads. And we want to silence these thoughts because you know the God thoughts, they sound the same as you thoughts, they sound the same as devil thoughts. So how do we tell the difference? So I want to kind of shift gears here. The first half of the message is bad news, so now we're talking about the good stuff. So if you've been asleep, welcome back. You picked a great time to wake up. I'm glad you're here with us. And so before you accept a thought, I want you to ask yourself this question. I want to put it on the screen as well. To find out where a thought came from, ask this question, what's the result of believing this? Where where will believing this thought take you? Or maybe a kind of a biblical or churchy way to say it. What's the fruit of this thought? What's going to happen if you believe this? You see, God's voice, it leads to freedom in life. And the devil's voice always ends up in destruction, death, and discouragement. I want to put this graphic up on the screen. A friend of mine gave it to me. It just has some different descriptions of the differences between God's voice and Satan's voice. You see, God, he's our calmer, whereas Satan's voice, he loves to smack us with worry. God is our comforter, but Satan, he is our accuser. When God speaks to you, he leads you to conviction, which energizes your spirit. But Satan, he condemns you, which tells you you're horrible and makes you weak. God, is, he's your encourager, telling you how much he loves you, how precious you are. Satan just confuses your identity. And God leads us. The devil lies to us. God is our reassurer. He's our encourager. But the devil, he tries to frighten us. So I went through all that just to give you a feel for measuring out where this thought's taking you. That's going to be the best resource that you're going to have to knowing what thought is coming from who. Because you want to have God's thoughts in your head. I was really looking for a great illustration to help drive home the point that God wants to speak to us and how he wants to cancel out the lies of the enemy. And I saw this commercial, and you have to see it, you just have to see it. So let's check out the screens. Now I doubt Kevin Garnett actually experiences anything like that. But you get the point, you know what it's like, you know what it feels like to have to be assaulted by those type of thoughts. And I love the picture here that when you put on those noise-canceling headphones, it blocks out everything else so that you can hear what you want to hear. And I've I've got my noise-canceling headphones here. Now, they're not Beats. This is a Beats commercial because that will set you back, you know, 350 (laughs) bucks. But these work almost as good as those. They're not quite as cool. Now, if you call Union Chapel and you say, I want to talk to the geek, you're eventually going to talk to me. Every church needs a geek. I'm Union Chapel's geek. So be patient with me while I get my geek on. Because I think understanding how noise-canceling headphones work will give you a good picture of how God wants to work in your life and in your mind. So here's how these work. You turn these things, on, a little red light comes on, and it activates a microphone on the outside of these headphones. Now here's how sound works. Sound travels in waves. Travels in waves. And what this What these headphones do is they emit a sound. It picks up up sound coming in and emits another sound, an equal and opposite wave of what's coming in. And so the two waves collide and cancel each other out. And so they actually produce a silence. And so whenever you're plugged into something, like God's word, like worship, it cancels out the lies of the enemy so you can't even hear them. In fact, if you've ever traveled, you notice that some of the traveling professionals, people who travel for a living, They'll have these headphones on, headphones like these, and a lot of them, they're not plugged into anything. (laughs) And at first I thought, why are they listening to nothing? They just want sweaty ears or what's going on? But when you put these on in an airplane, you get this all this loud noise, and you turn it on, it's like, it's silent. It is quiet so you can hear even the most slightest sounds of what you're plugged into. And that is exactly what God wants to do in your life through his word and through worship. He wants to cancel out the lies of the devil and connect you directly to the spirit of God. See, that was worth getting your geek on, wasn't it? That helps. Absolutely. You see, many of us, we think that God never speaks to us. But the reality of it is that God is continually speaking to you and to me. He's continually speaking to every single person. Words of encouragement, words of love, words of help. That's, how we, that's what he says to us. But we can't hear that sometimes because God's voice has been blocked by the lies of the enemy. So we want to cancel out Satan's lies with God's words. So let's just try this for a little bit. Maybe you're worried about paying the bills. That's a stressor that a lot of us can identify with. Am I going to have enough money, God? What am I going to do if I can't pay all the bills? Philippians 4.19 might help you out a little bit. For God will supply all your needs according to his riches. That's some truth for you. Maybe you think, I'm not good enough. I'm a horrible person. I'm never going to make it. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says this. God's grace is enough. His power is perfected in your weakness. And when that thought, God won't forgive me, rolls through your head, you can kick that thought out with 1 John 5.13. I've written these things to you so that you can know that you have eternal life. And when you have accusing thoughts, they're usually tied to some mistake that you've made. You can't deny the mistake. You can't pretend it didn't happen, but you can speak God's word to it. In Hebrews 4:16, it says this: Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And our primary passage this morning in 2 Corinthians 7 does a great job of showing us how God works when he points out our failures. These are just statements I pulled out of the verse. You see, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation, and you don't even regret what you've done. You see, worldly sorrow, it brings death, but see what this godly sorrow has produced in you. It brings earnestness. It brings eagerness. It brings indignation or anger at sin. And it fills you with alarm and longing and concern and readiness. You see, that's what God does. In other words, God takes your shame and turns it into gain. God uses your failures to inspire you to do better. God uses the worst things about your life to make you better. Now that's what I call redemption. You see, Jesus, He's constantly working not only to restore your relationship with Him, but also to draw you into the man or woman that He wants you to be, to give you the influence that He wants you to have. You see, godly sorrow energizes you to do better. I think a great picture of that is like a really good coach. A really good coach, he comes to his player when they've blown it and says, Look, I believe in you. You can do it. You get up, you get out there, you get after it, and we're going to make this happen. And so that's what God does to you and to me. That's his voice through his word to you and to me. Throughout the Bible, God's word is compared to a double-edged sword. And I thought, now what's the significance of a double-edged sword? I to think, well, maybe it's just because it's like the baddest weapon of the day. So maybe let's have a little bit of fun here. It's like God's word is like a bazooka against the lies of the devil. And you use it just to blow them out of your mind and out of the water. In fact, there's great resources that you can utilize that help you wield God's Word, the amazing weapon of God's Word. You've probably seen this floating around before. We've been talking about this for years. It's a simple Bible promise book. Now, if you're a geek like me, you can just get the Bible promise book on your app, in the app store, download it. And what these things do, they have, they have different categories that you can look up, and you can have a scripture that applies to an issue you're dealing with whether it's anger, lust, greed. There's a whole menu of options there, a whole menu of ammunition that you can use to hear God and blow away the lies of the devil. So that will be a great help and a tool for you. So speak God's word, cancel out the lies of the enemy, and you will hear his voice without any distractions. Another very essential way for you To hear God's voice and cancel out the lies of the devil is through worship. Now, some of us, we've been listening to lies so long, especially a few selective particular lies that we're sensitive to. We listen to those so much, it's hard for us to really believe the truth when we hear it. See what worship does? Worship helps what we know to be true up here be believed down here. See, worship helps these thoughts become convictions. And worship is more than singing words. Worship is expressing gratitude and thankfulness to God. Expressing love to Him for what He has done and who He is. Because when you worship, you force yourself to look up. You look up to God. You look away from your problems and struggles. And you look at the amazing character of God in light of your own failures and shortcomings. They just fade away in His beauty. Let's look at how worship cancels out the lies of fear and worry. Now, a lot of the things that we worry about, we don't have any control over. And so we keep asking these what-if questions. And it's like there's a ball and chain around our neck, pulling our heads lower and lower into our problems. But worship worship breaks those chains and lifts our heads up to Jesus Christ so that we can see Him, His wonder and His love. So don't you dare underestimate the power of praise. I've stood next to person after person who has inspired me with the power of worship. Recently, a man was dealing with probably the most challenging moment of his life. He was grieving over the death of his wife. And he didn't even realize it but he said, "Glenn, God has been so good to me." And I'm thinking, this is like really hard for you and here you are talking about how good God is. And I saw what praise did to his heart. It brought him peace in the midst of a storm. It brought him comfort in one of the times when he was most unsure about what was going on. It gave him security and hope and rest. Years ago, I visited a friend of someone who attends Union Chapel, one of their co-workers, and uh, she had brain cancer. So I built a relationship with her, prayed with her, and it was one of those awesome, praise God, miracle moments. Uh, And she was healed and went home. And it was really cool. And then at one month later or so, she was back in the hospital. And the brain cancer came back. And she just had days to live. And she looked at me, said, Glenn, I hate cancer, but I have to thank God. Because if I never had cancer, I don't think I would have ever met Jesus. There, in the midst of that moment, that's the power of praise. And if praise can help someone in the deepest, darkest times of their life, imagine what praise can do in your life and my life with the things that we struggle with on an everyday basis. Talk about more power than we need. Amazing, amazing. So if you need courage... Lift your heart to God. If you need to be free, turn your attention to Jesus. If you need hope, who better to give it than the hope of the world? So don't let any fear, any worry, any guilt, any shame keep you from hearing the voice of God Almighty because He loves you with an everlasting love. He crowns you with love and compassion. He is slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He is the Father to the fatherless. He is the hope to the hopeless. He is strength for the weary. He is your victory in the midst of defeat because is no one like our God. There is no one who loves you like our God. He is the God who reigns. He is the God who saves. He is your savior. (laughs) Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. You have the tools you need to cancel out the lies of the enemy and hear God. Now, right now, it's easy. You're filled with a room with people who care about you and want the best for you, We've got this awesome worship team helping us be ushered into God's presence through praise. So it's easy right now. But I've got news for you. Heads up, Monday's coming. Well, actually, Monday's a holiday, so it'd be Tuesday. <laughs> so Tuesday's coming. <laughs> so before your feet hit the floor after the alarm goes off, that loggery of negative thoughts is going to be coming your way. So what are you going to do to stop that flow and hear from God? Maybe you're going to have a couple of scriptures ready for you to read. Maybe you're going to pray a simple prayer that morning. God, speak to me today. I want to hear you above all the other voices. I remember uh, two or three weeks ago, Pastor Greg, he shared us in his secret that he and Beth, how they wake up in the morning. They have their radio alarm set to a Christian radio station. And so they wake up to worship music or someone talking about scripture or about what God's doing. That's a great idea. That might be a good fit for you. But I want to challenge you, choose now. Choose now what your plan of action will be. Because you want to be ready. You want to plug in to God, to hear him, hear his voice above all the others, and cancel out the lies of the enemy. I read this verse at the beginning of this message, and I think it holds a little bit more importance and significance to us now. It's Proverbs 4, 23. It says, above all else, guard your heart. For from it flows everything that you do. Would you bow your heads with me and pray? Jesus, we thank you for how you put up with us. We thank you not only do you put up with us, but you love us. You gave everything up for us. And so right now, in Jesus' name, I curse every single lie of the devil that has been keeping people from hearing your voice and your love, and we cast that to hell. And in Jesus' name, let the truth of your word, let the power of worship flood every single heart and every single mind in here. And Lord, we pause right now to hear from you. I think God wants to bring to your memory something right now that you might struggle with. Some lie that you've been believing. What's one lie that you've been believing? Now I want you in your mind's eye to look at Jesus look at him he's taking that lie in his hands and he's destroying it it's completely gone nothing is left keep looking at him now Jesus is looking at you he's smiling he's happy you can feel his love you can feel his acceptance and he's coming along your side he's lifting you up He's encouraging you and empowering you. You see, that's the God who loves you. He is here for you. He has a destiny and a purpose for your life. And you're going to love it. So embrace Him. Walk away from those lies. Be whole. Be healed. In Jesus' name, amen.